Please open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 5. I'll be preaching this morning from verses 30 through 47. John chapter 5, verses 30 through 47. And let me invite you to pray with me and ask God's blessing on the reading and preaching of His Word. Well, Lord, we thank You for this day You have given us to worship You and to fellowship with one another and to have fellowship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray now that as we hear Your Word read and preached, we ask that You would add Your blessing to it by Your Spirit that it may bear fruit in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord from John chapter 5, verses 30 through 47. Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I, do not, because I seek not my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who has sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, His form you have never seen, and you do not have His word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom He has sent. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about Me. Yet you refuse to come to Me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? May God bless the reading of his holy word, and may his church say amen. amen. This week, I received an email from a church member who said, you may find this interesting, discouraging, dot, 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 but interesting. This year... Uh, was recently released the State of Theology survey that Ligonier and Lifeway conduct every two years. This year, 3,011 professing Christians were polled with a variety of 35 basic fundamental questions regarding Orthodox Christianity and Orthodox doctrine and what we would consider clear teaching from God's Word as we examine it. And yes, the results are interesting and discouraging. 
Let me give you some of the, the highlights. 45% agreed that Jesus was the first created being. 11% were uncertain. 53% agreed that Jesus was a good teacher, but not God. 11% weren't sure. 53% agreed that the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. 6% weren't sure. 36% disagreed, disagreed with the statement, Jesus' death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin. 40% disagreed with this statement. Only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. 67% agreed that God accepts worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. 11% weren't Sure. It's interesting and alarming, isn't it? Clearly, there is a famine in the church today. A famine of the clear teaching and instruction of God's Word that challenges Christians to examine carefully the precepts of Scripture. As pastors, we must be challenged to faithfully exposit God's Word and challenge our congregations to hear what we preach and take what we preach and examine it in the light of Scripture. Church members must be challenged to go and, and read and study and examine the Scriptures on their own account. Families need to be challenged to examine the Scriptures together. Husbands and wives and parents with their children. As members, we need to regularly confess our faith together using the faithful summaries of the historic creeds of the church and challenge ourselves to examine our own beliefs and doctrines in light of the faith once, per, once for all professed by the church. Either Scripture will catechize our thinking and understanding and our beliefs or the culture will catechize our thinking and beliefs of God's Word. And apparently, the survey is an indication of, of anything. It's, it's apparent that the secular culture is catechizing the thinking of those who are in the church. In John chapter 5, verses 30-47, through 47, we are challenged to examine the claim that Jesus is the Messiah. We are challenged to examine the claim that Jesus is God's Son. And Jesus here presents five witnesses that bear testimony that Jesus is God's Son. That He is who He says He is. That He's the judge and that the judgment that He renders is, is just because He's doing the will of the One who sent Him. And Jesus is going to provide evidence of that and Jesus says clearly in verse 31 that he doesn't bear witness about himself that God there's another this other being God there is another who has given faithful testimony faithful witness 
to everyone to examine the claims that Jesus is making. Well, what will you conclude if you examine these five witnesses? If you examine the witnesses about Jesus, you'll conclude Jesus is the Messiah. That's the challenge from this passage this morning is to examine the witnesses about Jesus. To look carefully into them. To inquire into them. To research. To study. To read. To do an investigation into into these matters. To examine the witnesses about Jesus. And if we do that, what John 5 says, 30-47 30-47 through 47 is saying that if you will do that, you will conclude that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, what are these five witnesses that we are invited to examine? There are five of them. And if Travis can preach a nine-point sermon last Sunday night, I can preach a five-point sermon this morning. Witness number one. Let's examine the witness from John the Baptist. Verse 33, you see this here. Jesus is referring to the inquiry that the Jewish leaders made into John the Baptist. He says, you sent to John. You inquired about him. You were, you were asking those, uh, you asked those to go and find out about the nature of John the Baptist's ministry to see who he was, to see by what authority he was baptizing people and making these claims, to see if he was the prophet Elijah, to see if he was uh, the prophet Moses, even to see if he's the Messiah. Jesus calls him here in verse 35. Notice what he refers, how he refers to John, what he calls John the Baptist in verse 35. Look at me at the Scripture, please. What does he say? He was a burning and shining lamp. This makes me think about those huge spotlights that you see at uh, uh, open, grand openings of a hotel or a theater or a show and these bright spotlights are shining up into the air and, and drawing attention to the attraction that they're advertising and people from miles and miles around can see these bright lights shining up into the air and the intention there is to draw focus and attention to what is there. That's what John the Baptist was like, Jesus said. John the Baptist was like a burning and shining lamp. He was a bright light in the night sky that was drawing everyone's attention, that was challenging everyone to come and see what he was advertising, if you might say. Come and see. He was there to draw people's attention. What was he drawing attention to? Well, John the Baptist was clear, wasn't he? He was drawing attention to whom? Not to himself. John says, I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. I'm not the Christ. There is one coming after me who is greater than me. And in fact, as we've heard Previously, in a prior sermon, John the Baptist says clearly, listen, he must increase and I must decrease. So, John the Baptist 
His whole focus of his life in ministry is to prepare the way for the Messiah, to draw attention to the Messiah. He is a witness sent from, as prophesied in the Old Testament Scriptures, sent by God, fulfilling Scripture to prepare the way for Jesus to come. And so Jesus says here in verse 35 that this witness was a burning and shining lamp. And what did they do? Jesus says, you were willing to rejoice in His light. You were excited when you saw the crowds coming out to John the Baptist to be baptized. You were interested in hearing His preaching. You rejoiced in John the Baptist's ministry. When you saw the bright lights, you were fascinated and drawn by it, and you rejoiced in it. But notice what Jesus says here, though, in verse 35. You were only willing to do this for what? For a while. Jesus said you rejoiced in His light, but you only rejoiced in the light of His witness for a little bit. Only for a small period of time. Well, what changed with these Jewish leaders? What changed that they would change their joy into criticism? Why was it so short-lived? Well, there's a reason for this. And this is the second witness that we are invited to examine. Their joy was short-lived because of the witness of Jesus' works. You see that there in verse 36? Jesus compares Himself to the ministry of John the Baptist. And He says that the testimony that I have is greater than what? It's greater than John for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish. The very works that I am doing Bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. So Jesus is challenging them. You investigated the claims of John. You investigated the, the witness of John the Baptist. Now let me invite you to investigate the witness of my works. Jesus is making a case here from the lesser to the greater, isn't He? John is not as great as he is, but he was a faithful witness of the Lord to Jesus the Messiah. And so now the Messiah has come. And the works testify that His claims are true. Have you looked at them? Have you thought about it? Have you examined them? Think about it. That's what Jesus is saying. He's challenging you. It's one thing to look where that skylight is pointing, but it's another thing to look the sun Straight on and head on, isn't it? It doesn't blind you if you see those lights illuminating the night sky. But if you look directly into the sun, it will burn a hole in your cornea. Jesus is referred to in John chapter 1 as light, isn't He? He is the bright light that shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So what Jesus is saying here is John's a spotlight shining out in the dark night sky, but Jesus is the sun. And you either rejoice and relish in the light that you receive from the sun or you shirk back in fear. 
John 1, 9 says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. You think John's light? Jesus is a light that shines infinitely more brighter than John the Baptist. That's what Jesus is saying here. Well, why do so many people turn from the light of Jesus that shines upon them? John 3, verses 19-20, through 20, This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light. Why do they love the darkness rather than the light? Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does, does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. That's the reason they don't like Jesus. That's the reason why their rejoicing was short-lived. They went and examined the witness of John the Baptist, and then they went and examined the witness of Jesus and His works, and the light was so bright, it exposed the sinfulness of their own hearts, and they loved their sin, they loved their darkness more than they loved the light. So they rejected the light. And isn't this just like human nature today? Our hearts are filled with sin. Our, our hearts are dead in our trespasses and in our sins. And this is the reason why the Gospel is so offensive. This is the reason why preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified and, and dead and buried and resurrected and ascended is so offensive to people. It's the reason why it's foolishness to those who are perishing. Because when you look directly into the sun, you have two options. To run back into the darkness or submit yourself to the light. And Jesus here is condemning the Jewish leaders. He is saying, you are turning away from the light. It is so bright, it exposes your sins, and you love the darkness more than you do the light. It's the same reason so many people reject Jesus today, isn't it? They reject Him because if they accept Him as God's Son, they accept the implication that they are sinful, that there is a Savior, and that they must submit to His rule and reign in their life. There's a third witness here that we're invited to examine. There's the witness of John the Baptist. There's the witness of Jesus' works. Thirdly, there is the witness from God the Father. It's interesting the way that Jesus makes this claim because all five of these witnesses come from God. But Jesus identifies here in verses 37 through 38 that there is specifically, in another aspect, another witness from God the Father. Let's look at this together. The Father who sent me has borne witness about me. Do you see that word witness there? I'm sent from God. That's what Jesus is saying. The Father has sent me to you. And He bears witness about me. Well, how does He do that? Jesus here implicates all of our spiritual condition when we're outside of Christ. Here's what it is. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have His Word abiding in you. You're separated from God. You're not able to understand God. Bob Inc. in his Systematic Theology, The Wonderful Works of God that the men are studying right now, Bob Inc. writes, God must by His life, 
by his words and deeds, whether with or without his will, come out into the open and so express the mystery of his personality if we are to know him somewhat as he is. We have no way to make him the object of our study and reflection except he lets himself be found. We cannot seek him except he give himself. We cannot accept him. So what Jesus is saying is that in order for you to hear God's voice, see God, and have His Word abiding in you, God must stoop down and condescend down low to where you are. That's what Jesus is saying here. That's what Bavink is picking up in the wonderful works of God. God must condescend down to us. We're separate from God. We haven't seen His form. We haven't heard His voice. His Word is not abiding in us. We are not wise apart from God. We can't figure God out. And if God is going to reveal Himself to us, He must come down to where we are. He must condescend to our level. About a year ago, maybe a little longer than a year ago, I was working at the office and uh, went next door and ordered a health smoothie. Don't judge me, okay? And uh, Blake, who owns the, the business there, he said, hey, listen, I, we'll get it made for you. Go back, go back to your work, and I'll send one of the guys over, and he'll bring your smoothie. I said, awesome. Sitting, sitting there in the, in the office working, and here comes this young man in with my, my health smoothie. Don't judge me. He walks in, and he sees all the books in the office, and his eyes get about that big. and He's amazed. He goes, whoa, what is all this? I said, well, it's a church office. Who are you? I'm the pastor. Well, what is this place? This is a study. All these books about God? Yes, all these books are about God church history and theology and His Word, and we ply ourselves to study here. He goes, well, I love to study about God, and I've been reading books about God. Now my interest is peaked. Oh, really? Tell me about that. Yeah, well, I've been researching and reading books about God, and here's what I've concluded, he says. You know what a crystal is? I said, yeah, I know what a crystal is. He says, you know how a, a crystal has many different facets and you can look at it and see the beauty of that crystal from many different angles and many different sides. I said, yeah, I understand. He said, that's what God is like through all the various religions. I said, excuse me? <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, all the religions are just the different side of the same crystal, which is God, this force that's out there and and Jesus, and Islam, and Judaism, and Buddhism, and all the other world religions, and, and everything else that's out there, they're just one side of that beautiful crystal that provides a revelation about God. What does Jesus say here in verse 38? Look at what Jesus says here in verse 38. You can't know God unless He condescends to you. And if you don't affirm Jesus, 
You do not believe the one whom he has sent. Jesus is the one who condescends down to us to make the Father known. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't learn about God from all the other religions of the world. They're lies. They are idols. They are full of false teachers and false claims. The only way that you can know God is through whom? The person and work of Jesus. For only He has heard the voice of the Father, has seen the Father, and has His Word abiding in Him. Well, there's a fourth witness here that we're invited to examine. We're invited to examine the witness of Scriptures. Notice here in verse 39, Jesus says, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. You're banking on the Scriptures. You love to study the Scriptures. You think that you'll have eternal life if you study the Scriptures. And so you're searching out the Scriptures. Good. It's the Scriptures that bear witness about Me, Jesus says. Bavink again is so helpful here. He, Bavink, what does he say here? He says that the, the central content of special revelation is the person and work of Jesus Christ. What's the Bible about? The Bible is about Jesus. All of Scripture is either pointing up to the Messiah arriving or pointing back to the work of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, you are searching the Scriptures and the Scriptures are all testifying about Me. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 7, it explains it this way, that the previous covenant was administered by promises, prophecies, sacrifices, circumcision, the Paschal Lamb, and other types and ordinances delivered to the people of the Jews. All the stuff they're covering All of that in the Old Testament, God revealed Himself. And what did it do? All four signifying Christ to come. That's what the Westminster Confession of Faith is saying. Is that everything that you read about in the Old Testament, the priesthood, the sacrifices, the rock in the wilderness, the the manna in the desert, the, the pillar of cloud, the tabernacle, all of it, every single bit of it is pointing forward to Jesus Christ for signifying Christ to come. How, were the old, how was the Old Testament church saved? Well, they weren't saved by law-keeping. Pharisees might have thought that. The Old Testament church wasn't saved by law-keeping. How were they saved? They were saved by just like you and I. By faith in Jesus Christ. For signified in all the ordinances and sacraments and signs that God had given them. They were all foreshadowing Christ to come. That's what Jesus is saying here. All the Scripture is about Me. Go and examine the Scriptures and you will learn they are about Me. And if you're going to have eternal life, you must read and understand that the Scriptures lead you to Me. And then Jesus goes through this indictment here of them. You refuse to come to Me that you may have life. You're not arriving at the proper destination in your study of Scripture. That's what Jesus is saying here. You refuse to come to Me to have life. I don't receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God 
within you. So this is, they have no eternal life in them. Even though they think that they are in a favored position with God, they're not. That's what Jesus is saying. I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. It's interesting here in verse 43, Jesus says, if another comes in his, if another comes in his own name, you will receive him. What Jesus is saying here is because you don't understand that the Scriptures bear witness of me, when another false Messiah comes, you'll accept him. And indeed, the history of the early church proved this out. Uh, my understanding that even Josephus refers that there were many who proclaimed to be the Messiah after Jesus had ascended into heaven. Led many, many of the Jews astray after false messiahs. And that's what Jesus is saying. He said, is because you don't understand that all the Scriptures are pointing to Me, you are so blind to who I am, you will be led astray by anyone who comes in their own name. The central content of special revelation is the person and work of Christ. The Scripture invites us to examine the witnesses about Jesus. And if we do, we'll conclude He's the Messiah. There's a fifth and final witness here in this passage we'll look at. Not only is it the Scriptures, but Jesus references here Moses. Notice what He says here in verse 45. He's not going to be the one who will accuse them before the Father for rejecting Jesus and His witness. There is one who accuses you. Who is it? Moses, on whom you have set your hope. Oh, they love Moses, don't they? The Jewish leaders. They love the law that Moses provided. They love how Moses is the mediator of the covenant. In fact, many of the Jews at this time believed that Moses continued on in his mediatorial role between Israel and God, even after death in heaven. So Jesus is saying, as you have placed your hopes on Moses as being your mediator between you and God, Moses isn't your mediator. That's what Jesus is saying. Moses is going to be your what? Accuser. Isn't that interesting? The law is pointing to Jesus. It's pointing to Another Adam who will come and keep God's law perfectly on our behalf. And the law is like a mirror that reveals to us our sin, Calvin says. You're so blind to Jesus. You're so blind. You don't even understand the law of Moses. You don't even understand how Moses' law works is what Jesus is saying. You should see the law of Moses and look to me to be your Savior. For I'm the one who's perfectly fulfilling the law. I'm the one who is the prophet who mediates between God and His people. And Jesus here, I'm going to give you an appetizer for next, next Sunday, okay? Jesus here is setting the stage to feed the 5,000 people and for them to conclude that this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Just as Moses fed God's people and cared for them, so Jesus is the one who feeds God's people and cares for them. Moses will be their accuser on the day of judgment. 
Moses wrote about Jesus. And if you can't believe that, Jesus says, verse 47, how will you believe in my words? In closing, I keep thinking about that survey from Ligonier and Lifeway about the state of theology. And I know that this is somewhat of a ridiculous thought, but I wonder if they could survey do that same survey on people who have already died. I wonder what they would conclude in that survey. Those who have died and have gone into judgment, and those who have died and gone into eternal life. A hundred percent of those people, to plagiarize Travis, a hundred percent of those people would confess Jesus is the Messiah. And He's the only way of salvation. One day each of us will stand before Christ to give an account for our life. And on that day, everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The challenge for us today, because today is the day of salvation, is to examine the witnesses of Scripture. To examine the witnesses about Jesus. And come to the conclusion that they will lead us to that Jesus is the Messiah and submit ourselves to Him and fall upon His grace. Let's pray.